Hello everyone and welcome to another Scots We Hey podcast and today I am joined by singer-songwriter Jenny Sturgeon. Hello Jenny. Hello, it's nice to be here or you know across the airwaves. <laughs> yes it is, it's nice to nice to speak to you definitely and we're going to be talking about The Living Mountain which is uh, your new album and if the for those listening, if the name The Living Mountain doesn't mean anything, then you're in for a treat because you're going to learn some really interesting things. But so The Living Mountain is the name of the album. Can you tell us a bit about the thinking behind it? Yeah, so The Living Mountain uh, borrows its name from a book that inspired it, which is called The Living Mountain, written by Nan Shepherd, And she lived her whole life just uh, outside Aberdeen, in Aberdeenshire, and not very far from where I was brought up and I was familiar with her name but hadn't actually read her book until about six years ago and was uh, kind of fell in love with it I think because it was describing a lot of the things I was familiar with the the landscapes around uh, the Cairngorms which is where I spent quite a lot of time as a kid and it's a really important place to me and it just meant a lot reading her book and then I was happened to be looking for another project to work on and picked up the book again and thought, hmm, this could work really well. Well, it's a, it is an incredible book and we'll talk more about it um, uh, later. But what drew you to it in the first place? Because not ma- that many people know about it still, I think. Probably yeah. better knowing up where you are around the Cairngorms than it is elsewhere in Scotland. Yeah, it's surprising. It's kind of taken a long time for it to get into people's psyche I suppose <laughs> and uh, I'm not sure why that is but it's a lovely book it's a it's a, a short a short book and the thing I really like about it is you can dip into it at any point and you don't I don't think I to be honest I don't think I've ever read it cover to cover as it's written I've always dipped in you know, to chapter two or to chapter nine. I've read each chapter multiple times, but not necessarily in the order that they are written. And it just kind of lent in my mind, it lended itself well to this song project, partly because of the familiarity with the with the area, but I just her language and her, her use of expressive language is so beautiful. And each chapter is almost like poetry in itself. So yeah, it just kind of felt like the right thing to do. I think it does almost read like a, a prose poem at times, um, the way that uh, um, we'll, we'll look into the themes in a moment, but the way that she writes it, as you say, it's quite short, um, only a few chapters long. It was, if I think I'm right in saying, it was written in the 40s, is that right? Yeah, I, I think, think yeah. yeah, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, but um, really, I first came across it when I was studying Scottish literature in the 2000s, I think. And there was a big push to kind of say Muriel Spark wasn't the only woman writer of the kind of earlier part of the 20th century. And people will know Nan Shepherd, even if they think they don't, because she is currently on the £5 note, isn't she? Yeah, exactly, yeah. So in recent yeah. years, she has kind of gone into kind of consciousness and there's been a lot of... Um, uh, talk about her. I, so how did the book feed into the music? How did you think that the themes in the book were going to feed into your music? Well, I, the thing that first struck me was that she, in each, there's 12 chapters in the book and each one, you know, they're, they range from sort of three pages to 10 pages. They're not very long, each chapter. But 
she covers lots of basically the whole different all the elements of the mountain so there's the plateau there's the group there's the birds and the animals and the insects there's man and human relationships with the with the the island <laughs> with the mountain it's kind of like an island in a way <laughs> and then other elements like sleep sleeping on the mountain and being just the general sense of being there and so she'd kind of put them into like broken up this big overall idea of the mountain into these small smaller bite-sized chunks which to me kind of jumped out as being perfect songs so the way I went about it was made a note of all the different chapters of the book and their names and I was quite conscious that I didn't want to directly lift any of her words because they're her words and I wanted to sort of say my own thing as inspired by her but not plagiarizing her (laughs) if you like and so I wrote down all these chapter titles and then first of all having previously read the book quite a number of years ago the first thing I did was I just free wrote for each chapter so for example plants I just started a new notebook and wrote until I kind of ran out of things to say about the topic of plants and that in relation to the mountains and the cairngorms and the high the high peaks and the the forests below so that was me kind of getting out all of the ideas that I had myself and then I went back and read the chapter of the plants and made notes on, from what she said and then kind of distilled all of that into into the lyrics uh, uh yeah as I said I was keen not to to lift anything she said because those are were her special words yeah. and so I think there's only a couple of lines in all of the songs that I wrote which feature a, a snippet of something from what she said so there's there's 12 chapters there's 12 songs and two of those songs are poet poems of hers that I've put to music but the rest is the rest is all uh written for this project and the project itself is um uh, not just the album you've got a, a series of podcasts which mm. have gone along with it and uh you're hoping to hoping to tour it as well um we'll talk a bit about the podcast because i've really enjoyed listening to them there's such a mixture of people you've had some people who have direct links with nan shepherd mm. um like biographer and executor but you've also um interviewed other artists who i think that perhaps you've collaborated with as well yeah so it was kind of inspired I, I first of all I love listening to podcasts I'm much more of a podcast listener than a reader um, and audiobooks in general I, I like being able to to do things whilst I'm listening and taking that in <laughs> and uh, and so I was kind of like the idea of doing a podcast for a while and then through this project got to meet lots of really interesting people from a broad uh, spectrum of different I different uh, jobs and as you were saying some people who knew Nan Shepherd some people who studied and researched her so the the podcasts include artists who are inspired by the mountains and Nan Shepherd's book itself uh, writers who the very much the same and ecologists as well so people working within within the Cairngorms or near to the Cairngorms and so it was just a lovely excuse really to sit down and have a good blether with these folk and a lot of them I was chatting with anyway but to actually record the snapshot of that conversation and 
and uh, it was really a lovely thing to do and just for my own interest I sort of started doing it but uh, there's been some really good feedback from people enjoying them I think because it does draw on lots of different people so it's not just looking at creativity in response to the cairngorms it's it's everything so um yeah it's been a good fun process i think that's uh one of the great things that podcasts do is it does give you an excuse to have a really nice kind yeah. of chat with someone <laughs> and that's yeah. great yeah. and you've also got a guitar maker on there as well which i was interested by Yes. So Rory Dowling, who's a, a really good friend of mine, I grew up just over the hill from where he, he grew up. And our our families are really good friends. So we spent a lot of time together when we were kids. And he has, has uh, st- set up a guitar making business that he's been doing for a good number of years now, you know, over 10 years, I think. And he makes beautiful, beautiful guitars. So they sound amazing and they look amazing and they're often bespoke well they're all pretty much bespoke to the player and I was quite keen to have a really nice instrument on the on the recording and my other guitars I think one of them is from China and the the other one is from the States and I just thought it would be so nice to have something that's actually made in Scotland and so I contacted him and said any chance I could borrow one of your guitars for the recording and I told him a bit about the project and he said, do you know what, I'll do I'll do one better. I'll make a guitar for wow. the project. <clears throat> and then it was a process of, you know, having some chats with him and deciding the sort of sounds and the ethos and the whole idea behind this guitar. And he put a call out to some friends, which included Andrew, who supplied this amazing piece of wood, which makes the body of the guitar. It's a old bar shelf from the Fife Arms in Braemar. Fantastic. And, and the rest of it's all um, reclaimed wood from Scotland that's been part of an Anstruther Pier, some part of a banister, and it's all wood that's been in Scotland from Scotland. That podcast in particular and the whole undertaking almost seemed to strike uh, get to the heart of the living mountain it's not just mm. about making the music but it's about the instrument and the yeah. creation of the instrument itself and all of that thing because it's in the living mountain the point is made at least in the my copy at the beginning there's a lot of people going to mountains to get to the top whereas yeah. what Nan Shepherd is doing is you know it's about the, the whole thing it's not about mm-hmm. getting to the top or even getting to the top it's about being there and it's the same I think with um the idea that well we're going to create this guitar from the wood that's around us and and that's going to go towards the music that's made it all just seems to link in like yeah. a lot of the things do in the book itself yeah I think it just it it felt like the right thing and it just it's so such a beautiful thing to play and a lovely sound and he's such a craftsman that to create something that is so much the Cairngorms and mm. that he reckons it's poss- possibly the only guitar to be made out of Scots pine and it's this bar shelf you know that's still got the on the inside of the guitar he's left it as it was the original bar shelf so the rest of it's lovely and polished and cleaned up, but the, on the inside you can still see the ring marks from the whiskey bottles or from the wine bottles that had sat on it for hundreds of years, like a hundred years at least. Yeah. So it's a lot of character. It's so fantastic, and the idea of the stories that would have been, you know, whispered in and around that bar shelf is it's yeah. terrific. 
And, and you're also hoping to take uh, the Living Mountain out on tour, and it is um, uh, talking about collaboration. There's an audio-visual uh, collaboration going on. Can you explain a bit about that, please? Yeah, so um, basically from early on in the project, a bit similarly to the guitar and thinking it needs to have something, that special element, bring it, it's got to just be so Cairngorm-centric. Early on, I thought, you know, you can't really do it do the Cairngorms justice just through sound. You kind of need to have the visual element as well. And I'd been working on a project with Inga Thompson called Northern Flyway, yeah. which in which it's an audiovisual project and there's loads of imagery of birds. And that's the, what the project's inspired by. And it was so much fun to be involved to do that, to, to have this projection going on while we were playing the music, but also to be inspired by that and to kind of bounce, you're bouncing ideas off the, the film is inspired in part by the music and the music is inspired in part by the film. So it's a real sort of symbiosis of the two. And it really is an immersive experience. And that's how I see the book, The Living Mountain. It's quite an immersive experience, this idea of being in a place, like really being there, not just physically, but mentally. And wanted to portray that in the in the gig so to have the visuals as well as the as the music it really adds to the overall overall experience i think you can kind of get lost in it for for an hour or however long but there is a kind of meditative if that's the right word um, aspect to the album as well because i've been listening to the album you it's it's a beautiful thing and you can just um lose yourself in it as i think you can with nan shepherd's book as well you said you can go in at any point and you'll find a beautiful phrase or it's it's, it's a very sensual book and mm -hmm. the way that it kind of she describes all her senses and maybe even a sixth sense at times getting yeah. stimulated by being on on the mountain um was that something that you felt you wanted to recreate or even just create yeah i hoped to and i think ha hopefully i have in part at least managed to do that i think by incorporating or again early on decided that i needed to incorporate some of the sounds from the cairngorms very very keen to record field samples within the cairngorms itself and it, we pull out the volume of it a little bit every now and again so you can really hear a certain bird call or something but otherwise it's just absolutely unedited and it's the sounds of the Cairngorms or that specific point in the Cairngorms. And there's other field samples as well that feature some, some for, that I made myself and some from a couple of uh, sound uh, field, field recorders. One uh, person who's Jez Riley French, who recorded and um, some incredible sounds of trees creaking in the wind and also people walking in snow and then some beautiful uh, sounds of birds and red deer which features in the birds animals and insects track and that was by magnus rob so i think that all kind of hopefully adds to the to the overall experience of listening i think you can you every now and again you tune into oh i didn't notice that little bird in there before or that tr the trickling burn over here or it's it's a lovely thing because you realise as well that it will never be, you could never recapture that perfectly. It's going to be yeah. different every single time. And yeah. I think, uh, again, going back to the book, it's something that Nan Shepherd um, talks about, the kind of experiences on the mountain will be different every single time. At one yeah. point, I think she talks about 
um, seeing a light that she's never seen before and perhaps never will again. And I guess yeah. that is kind of what music is like. Um, a lot of the time, particularly playing live, I guess, is that it will be different every time. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm quite looking forward. I think that's the nice thing that as well, realising from doing Northern Flyway that an audience member could come every single night and get something different out of it, depending on where you're sat in the audience and yeah. your view, you're at the angle of your view. And obviously the music changes naturally. It has like a, um, a, a rhythm to it that, that can change around a bit. Like it's almost like the breathing space of it that will change each night of a gig. And so that'll be really interesting to, when we do finally hopefully get to go on tour with it to see how that, how it develops in that setting as well. Cause it was, we were meant to be on tour this year um, in May and then again around, around now actually, but that's obviously been postponed until next year. So it'll be good to get out on the road with that. Well, I think there's, there are so many people waiting to kind of engage with live music again. It's, it's going to be some time when, when people are allowed out to it, yeah. it'll be absolutely jumping. Yeah. Um, going back to some of the themes in the book, a, there's a kind of spiritual element to it as well. As you say, almost, it's not almost a Buddhist element because Buddhism is actually referenced at the kind of, at the end, I think. Um, and I find that really interesting. And I know it was something that interested quite a few Scottish writers at that time. I think Neil Gunn was another one yeah. who I believe she was in um, correspondence with. Mm-hmm. And um, there's sections in it that remind me of parts of Sunset Song, where mm-hmm. they talk about the land and the the and really it is about the relationship between uh, the individual and the land. Is that how you kind of view it? Yeah, definitely. And I think I wonder if the sort of philosophical it's almost like a religious element yeah. in a way that kind of the love love of the hills and that idea of being being in a place. I wonder if that's in part because of everything that was going on in sort of normal life. You know, there was the war that was raging at the time. Yeah. And so there was some kind of escapism, although I'd be a bit, yeah, I don't know whether that's the right word, but there's some kind of like solace in going into the mountains and having that breathing space. And and therefore it maybe would have, did get a bit philosophical because of that reason. I'm not sure, yeah. but it, Sounds I think great. that's a really interesting uh, point because when I was um, reading the book again the first time in a while, uh, I thought of the phenomenon I'd seen recently after the first very strict lockdown had eased and the mm. amount of people I knew, particularly in the central belt, who suddenly were set posting pictures of them at the top of mountains or at the side yeah. of lochs or they were really getting back to nature. And it was a lot of people I never expect to do that. It did seem to me that there's an idea of it's not just enough to get out the house. We have to kind of yeah. get out properly. And it maybe um, changes the way that we view a thing as well. Like what's what's important is is that freedom, being able to go out. You're, you kind of, you've taken it, for, everybody's taken it for granted for forever that they can just go out of their house whenever they want and go and travel wherever they want to. Um, particularly in Scotland, we're very lucky in that way, but all of a sudden having these restrictions putting on, put on movement and you do think, even though maybe you've not, not been to the hills for five years, oh, actually, I really want to go there. 
Yeah, I think that's it. I mean, the, the amount of times people, um, and I include myself in this, say, oh, that's part of somewhere I'd really like to go, but I just haven't been yet. And then suddenly it's like, well, you you know, better get going before, before too long. And I think that's maybe what people did. So to link that back to, I mean, they're not really comparable, but as you say, at a time that was horrific, genuinely horrific, this idea of maybe escape and just experiencing nature, which is what yeah. Shepard does. Um, if Once you read the book, and I hope many people will, uh, you never kind of think about your surroundings again in the same way, I don't think. I think you, you listen and you... Um, um, taste even like a drink of water from a running stream you know things yes. that you maybe wouldn't think of doing or the noises of the different um, animals as you say the deer and it's it's it really does encourage you to kind of be a part of your surroundings no matter where those surroundings are I think you could even if you live in a city you could take that on board I think there's something quite humbling about it as well and again I don't want to necessarily draw a comparison between Nan Shepherd going up to the mountains during the war and us in COVID oh, times, no, but no, no. there's something quite humbling in the fact that the landscape is the same or changes very little over a huge geological time and we're only here for a fleeting moment and being in the landscape, again, like you say, whether that's walking through a park in a city or being able to get up a hill or going to the beach, you know, like where I live here, there's something quite real about that <laughs> and not influenced necessarily by humans, although obviously there's elements that are, but there's yeah. something, something uh, nice about that. The, the, because talking about being real and being an honest book, and it is, and she doesn't shy away from the fact that the mountain can be a very dangerous and sometimes deadly place. I mean, there are examples of that in it. Um, kind of nature, red and tooth and claw often, is yeah. the way of it. So I just think it's, um, you know, I could talk about the book for, the whole, for a long, long time, but it is just such an interesting um, piece of literature in terms of Scottish literature, because it, is, it isn't like a lot of other things. At the time, you know, no. a lot of the, the rural stuff was looked at as the stories of the people who lived there rather than the there itself. Um, and uh, I mean, you obviously lived in the area, but now you don't live in the area, so have you kind of taken the, the lessons from the book with you? Does it travel with you? Yeah, definitely. I think I think that's one thing about the book. It's that although it's about the Cairngorms, you don't have to have ever been to the Cairngorms or experienced any landscape like it to get a lot out of it. Obviously, she mentions lots of place names to do with that region, but the sort of philosophy of it and the ideas of just getting out and like you're saying tasting the stream water or going out and experiencing things in a different way I think that's applicable across any landscape and that's hearing things in a new way walking in a different way I think before having really got into the book I would go hill walking with a purpose yes. and that would be okay let's go and walk these three Munros or let's do this circular walk on this day and we'll you'd plan it out before and you know just you'd go and do that and you'd be on a mission and you'd be like okay well it says it's going to take six hours so let's try and do it in five and a half <laughs> or whatever but now it's a case of okay we've got the map and the compass and all the safety stuff still 
but let's just go for a wander and we'll st- that looks interesting up there let's go for a walk up there and I think that's really changed the way that I experience the outdoors and I otherwise I think if I hadn't read that book I'd probably still be walking in a in the old the old way <laughs> well it did exactly the same to me I, I'm, I'm a keen hill walker and I go down the Lake District quite a lot and I was the same it was like right um, Helvellyn tick, Scaffold Fell tick, you know, and you're doing all of that. And then after reading this book, I would just go where I thought was interesting. And yeah. instead of going up hills, kind of go round the lakes instead, yeah. or just find these different ways of doing it. And one, it's a lot quieter. Um, but yeah. also, you, you, you just, it's about experiencing it and not kind of missing the experience because you're in such a race to, to get to the very top. And I think you experience it in a totally different way as well. Like, you're like, oh, I'm interested. Yeah, interested to see what's down there. And then you might stumble across an interesting moth or a cool plant or, <laughs> and you can stop and watch that for a while and have a snooze on the side of a hill. And you can, you know, it's a bit more, it's more, it feels more like this flexibility in it, I think. Um, so we talk a little bit about your uh collaborations you mentioned northern flyway and you're also a member of salt house um mm-hmm. how uh, how are they are they ongoing or um what else have you got coming up yeah so all of that's ongoing we were meant to be on tour no. it's probably it was due to be one of the busiest years i think i've had in music this year but uh, northern flyway was meant to have a couple of tours this year there's those have been postponed till next year and similarly with salt house we should have been in in Germany just last week and various different tours but yeah we're trying to trying to keep things going and there'll hopefully be uh, an EP out with Salt House at some point in the next six months so we've been working on music remotely which has been an interesting new process for us uh, but uh, it's, it's really good it's just nice to have a, a goal and and get to play music again you know it's a different. Obviously, I'm not in person with the other folk in the band, but it's lovely batting ideas backwards and forwards, and my recording skills are getting better. <laughs> um, and I mean, that's how you have been doing it. You've been continued to make music, but just having to find new ways of approaching it. Yeah, I think at first I was felt quite resistant to it because it was just an unknown amount of time, and there's still an unknown amount of time until we're going to get to go back to work, but. I found that quite difficult mm-hmm. and so instead channeled my energy into digging the garden <laughs> which proved fruitful not yep. that sorry for the pun but no it was good <laughs> and uh is, is it is it quite nice to move between your solo project well I guess no but you are collaborating on your solo project as well but in terms of the music it's you um mm-hmm. doing everything do you are you playing everything have you done with the solos. Yeah. So for the Living Mountain, yeah. I wrote all the wrote all the songs or adapted her two poems and then yeah, kind of went with the, for the recording we went up to Kalashnetti Art Centre, me and Andy Bell, who produced the record, we went up for a week and I played everything and then so various different instruments. Andy played, uh managed to persuade him to do some percussion and a little bit of singing. But yeah, I put down various instruments, guitar and piano and dulcimer and things. And then we had a couple of days working with the other musicians who feature on the record 
who added their parts on afterwards. And that was lovely to hear those songs kind of take on another another element and another level really with with their parts and was really keen for them to put their own stamp on it as well. So I didn't I didn't I also can't write music, so I couldn't tell them what to do anyway <laughs> or give them sheet music. But just sort of said maybe something that comes in halfway through or or whatever you feel like just do what feels right and and they did and it was just lovely to hear that and how i'm interested how do you decide with a project like this which um is you know if you take the source material um it's all about how things are developing constantly and shifting how do you say that's it that you've that's been ticked off and that this album is now finished is it is it down to <laughs> deadlines and things like that or is you know I I think it's when it gets to a point where you're satisfied with that it's as good as it can be for now. Yeah. <laughs> you record it and somebody, I think it was Johnny Hardy who I work with and he said, you know, a recording's only ever a snapshot of it in time and it's a, you're recording a version of it, but obviously then you go and tour it more or you get you play that music with other people and it evolves and changes over time. So the recording is is a snapshot, but that music will probably continue to evolve. And uh, having done the whole project now, because the al- we should say the album is out uh, on the 16th, isn't it? Yes, oh, yeah. Yes. So by the time um, people hear this, it will be out and available to buy. Yeah. Um, and with doing the podcast and such a kind of big project, has it made you think about the book in a, a different way? Have you... Um, I haven't, to be honest, I've not even, I've not really thought about that. So I always thought how the book has influenced, you know, I haven't gone back and actually reread the book since the music has been sort of finalised. It'd be interesting to reread it and see if that, if my um, association with that book has changed as a result of the project. Well, it's a, it's a beautiful album, I have to say. And uh, the project as a whole, if you've enjoyed what we've been talking about uh, for the last half hour or so, then you should listen to the podcasts and check everything out. And also read, read the book. Fantastic, The Living Mountain, because I genuinely think it could change your life. It's one of those books that does that. Yeah, it, yeah definitely. And for something that's that small, it's quite remarkable that it could <laughs> have that impact, but... Yeah, it packs so much in. I think often with, uh, when you get this in poetry, obviously, but I think often with short fiction, you do get that sense of every word counting. Everything, you know, uh, none of it's wasted and there is no waste in in the living mountain at all. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, uh, next time you go for a walk after reading it, you'll uh, you'll be changed, no doubt. It's quite. I don't know if you've ever taken the book with you on a walk and dipped it, like had a had a um, read of it while you're out in the hill. But that's quite nice, nice thing to do. Oh no, I haven't. Oh, that's uh, that's a uh, that's a great idea. And um, there's a quote that Anne Shepherd says, which kind of gets the heart, get pun, I suppose intended, of the book is that she talks about the mountain having it inside, and kind mm. of almost like a living breathing thing and um for me it's about um how in some smaller way we change the mountain but also in a much larger way how the mountain changes us just by kind of being on it Mm -hmm. um 
yeah, fantastic. Well, Jenny, thank you so much for talking to me today. I've had yeah. some, an absolute pleasure. Yeah, it's been lovely. Nice to have a chat about it. So thank you. <laughs> oh, no problem at all. And we'll be back soon with someone completely different. Cheers. Mm-hmm.